We are um, today going to begin talking not only about the Christmas story, but a bunch of Christmas stories. And I like stories. And we're going to be looking at just the reality of how encountering Christ changes things, changes lives. And I had, I had a Christmas story happen in the last week that's never happened to me before, and it was, it was really cool. Literally a week ago, I got a, I got a message about someone who lived a little bit outside, a little ways outside of Manhattan, um, but he had, was having a lot of challenges, and he was looking for help. And so I reached out to him via text, and he did. There were all, like one of those situations, like everything was going wrong in his life and was really discouraged. And so I, I offered to meet with him in person, and he said he wasn't comfortable with that. I mean, he lived about 50 minutes away. Um, but so we just started texting. And basically, through a series of texts, he communicated that he, in all, he, I asked him, hey, are you open to a relationship with God? Where are you at with that? And he said, well, actually a month ago, I was an atheist, but I got nobody else. I think I trust God more than anybody else right now. And so I just shared a few things. I shared, there's a quote that St. Augustine said, a famous quote hundreds of years ago. He said, um, our souls are restless until they find their rest in you. And I shared that. I shared a couple of scriptures. And then I, I just encouraged him to pray. And I went to bed. I said, I got to go to bed. It's past my bedtime here. But the next morning, I reached back out to him, or the next day, and said, hey, how's it going? He said, hey, actually, I, I don't know why, but I prayed, and I cried, and I think I'm believing God is real. And we just continued the conversation, and he, he was ready to turn from his sins and place his trust in Christ and become a follower of Jesus. It was like, wow, all this over texting. That is just really, really awesome. Um, and he, he didn't have a Bible, but he downloaded the Bible app right there. He was like, I'm going to start reading that. I'm going to come back to this story um, more later. But he just said, man, I'm definitely, I'm definitely ready to start following God. I don't want to have all these sins weighing on me anymore. And his, his new life with Christ began. And really, that story, you know, that's the story that most of us in the room have had that beginning of our story. But we're going to be talking about just how encountering God, if, when we really encounter Christ, the Christ of the Christmas story, it does something in us that changes us, and then we want to tell other people about it. And really, that's, um, you know, we're, we're doing kind of a non-traditional Christmas series this year. We're going to be going through the, the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians, the book of Colossians in the Bible. You don't usually think of Colossians as a Christmas story. But Colossians is, um, is a letter that Paul and Timothy wrote from prison in about 62 AD. They wrote it to this church in the city of Colossae. And Colossae was in what was then known as Asia Minor, but now it's, it's Turkey, modern-day Turkey. And the, the gospel had, had come to this area, and Paul was writing all about who Christ is and the greatness of how he is. And really, the, the name of our series is, is how Christ is, is overall. He's over everything. He's to all. He comes to everyone that he might be in all. That he might be in each one and then through us to fill all in all in the world. 
And so these themes are throughout this book, and it's just, it's so rich. And we're going to actually have a chance to just be reading through this book together as a church. We're going to start sending out emails every morning, or at least five mornings a week starting tomorrow. So if you're on our email list, you'll get that. If you're not, sign up for that at the Welcome Center or on our website. And you'll just get a little, um, well, it'll be like two to five verses a day with a reflection question or two to think about. And just really help us to, to encounter Christ in a, in a fresh way. Um, but really, the, it's, the reality is that this story is not just for my friend Corey, um, who started following Christ this week, but it's for, for every one of us to encounter Christ, that he would be overall to all and in all. And so I'm going to read through a good chunk of the first, first chapter of Colossians today, and we're just going to talk about, talk about this theme um, as we go through. So Colossians 1, verse 1. Jumping right in, it says, This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. And it's cool here because this really... In the introduction of this letter, it's the pattern of, of how this thing works. You've got two people, Paul and Timothy, who have encountered Christ. And out of the overflow of their experience with God, they're saying, hey, we want to share with you this grace and peace that we've experienced. And we want you to experience it more and more in your own life. And that's really how this thing works. That it's also cool that it's... I love it. We're writing to God's holy people. A lot of translations say saints. That's what the word saint means. But a lot of times we think of like kind of two categories of Christians. There's, the, there's me and normal everyday Christians, and then there's the, the saints. There's the ones that have it together. But like based on what, what Bo was saying, hey, there's, there's one category. Through Christ... We're all made God's holy people. All of us who believe in Christ and encounter Christ, we are made God's holy people. And we're made to encounter Christ, and then we're made to be ministers of Christ. There's not this kind of two-tier, like you've got the ministers, you've got the professionals, you've got the, the ones who got it together, and then you've got the rest of us. But we're all God's holy people. We're all called to know him. We're all called to encounter him. We're all called to be ministers, every one of us. And so there's, there's the introduction. So he goes on. In verse 3, he says, We always pray for you. And we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all of God's holy people. You know, it's, it's Paul's starting out with saying what's important. What are the characteristics of these Colossian believers that matter. And he's like, these are the things we've heard about. We've heard of your faith in Christ and the thing that flows from that, your love for people. You know, it's just, that kind of sums it up right there. That Encounter God, believe in him, and when that happens, something changes in us where we get a compassion and a care for the people around us. And Paul's saying, I've heard. This is what's going on with you. And that's kind of a good, that's a good indication for me and you. Like, where, where, is my, where is the reality of my, my walk with Christ? Where is the reality of my faith? Is it real? Well, one of the best tests is, how's my heart towards other people? Do I have 
And some, enough, because when, when we encounter God, it does something that gets us beyond ourselves. And there, the, the more we encounter him, the more there becomes an overflow to where we start seeing people around us with the eyes of God, with the eyes of compassion. We're like, oh God, I want to care about you. I've gotten something from you. I want to pour that out, pass that on and see it poured into other people's lives too. So this is what, this is what had happened. To, this is what Paul had heard about from these believers. Um, verse 5, which came from your confident hope of which God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. Now think about this. This is like 30 years after Jesus died and was resurrected. But Paul's saying, hey, this good news is spreading throughout the whole world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives. Just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You know, this is, this is what happens. This is how the gospel works. The gospel is like, like Kansas cedar trees. That they're an invasive species, right? They're not even from here. But farmers now, ranchers have to burn their fields. Or, or my dad, he doesn't burn his fields. But he, he, every year, goes through his pastures and, like, sprays these cedar trees because they just spread all over. And if you just leave them to themselves, we would have the Kansas cedar plains instead of the Great Plains. It would, it, would, they would, it would be covered with these cedar trees. That's what the gospel does. It naturally spreads. It naturally spreads. And the way it spreads is one person's life is changed, and then it naturally spreads to the people all around them. And we, we, we know in the, in the Bible it tells the story of how the gospel got to these believers in, in Colossae. And it tells the story in the book of Acts, which is the story of the, of the early church. Um, and in Acts 19, Paul had, had come to the city of Ephesus, which was about 100 miles away. Oh, yeah, I had a map earlier I was going to show you. Show that map. Matt, sorry, I skipped that. Um, so there's Asia Minor, that modern-day Turkey in the middle. Colossae's um, circled there down low. Um, so Israel's at the bottom right. The gospel had spread. You know, Greece is on the left. It was spreading throughout the whole known world. And Ephesus is on the very left there of Asia Minor. Um, that's where Paul had spent some time bringing the gospel. And so we pick up that story in Acts, Acts 19. It says, Paul took the disciples with them and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who had lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So, wow. So, Paul's in Ephesus. He's meeting daily in this lecture hall, kind of like a room like this, you can imagine. And he's teaching people about Jesus and the kingdom of God and what Jesus has accomplished. And then it says, this went on so that all the Jews heard about the word of the Lord. But how did that happen? Because did all the Jews come into that lecture hall? I don't think so. But what happened is that the people who were in that hall were impacted, and then they took the message to their friends. They took the message to their family. They took the message to their cousins in the town down the, down the, down the road. And over 
two years, it says the message spread so that all of Turkey, all of Asia Minor, heard the word of the Lord. That is the Christmas story right there. People encountering Christ, and it's spreading all over the place. I was, how do you get my, was, Dave's mentioned this story, Dave Seaver here in the, in the, with the handsome gray hair, and halfway through. Yeah, he's a, he's a humble guy. Um, but he's, he's told me a couple times, if you don't know Dave, you need to get to know him. But he's, he's walked with God for 55 plus years and has seen God do a lot of amazing things. And he's told me a few stories. One of them was he came to Christ as at the Air Force Academy, grew, got discipled, started, no, okay, that's not right. Gail was in Colorado. Anyway, I'll stop. <laughs> it was, yeah, before he went to the Air Force Academy. Then he went to the Air Force Academy. But after a while, he, was, he really had a heart for ministry and was, was involved in ministry and was helping to, to reach people with the gospel and make disciples. But there was, and then a few years later, they were asked to lead this, this ministry, but it was really small. It was just a handful of people. And they came into it. And over the course of the next four years, in the first year, in the first, within the first several months, within the first year, there was a revival and like 40 young men came to faith. It was at a military base. It was at a military base, yeah. And so 40 of these young soldiers came to faith and started get growing, getting discipled in a, in a month. Like, that'd be pretty exciting right there. And, and then over, over four years, there were 300 people who came to faith. And the ministry grew, or there were, the ministry grew to 300 people in like, like four years. And then those people were sent out all over the place, all over the world, seeing impactful ministry, just like what happened in Asia Minor. This is what happens. This is what happens. When we encounter God, it comes to us. And then it can't but help impact the lives of people around us. So we see this happen here. Um, you know, I was in a Bible study this week with, with Will, Will Cup in the back row, in the purple. Just keep pointing people out this morning. It's fun. <laughs> but we were talking, and Will was like, hey, what do I, I've got all these guys I work with who they, they say they're Christians, and, but it's like so shallow. It's because I, you know, because I, I don't agree with certain things, I'm a Christian, but it's obvious when you look at their life and how they talk and what they do, how they spend their weekends, like they're not Christians. So how, what, what's a good approach for how to interact with them? And so we were just talking about that, like how do you know, like what's, where someone's at? And the reality is, is if someone really encounters Christ, their life changes. We have to presume that if someone's life has not changed, that they're not a Christian. Jesus said, by your fruit, they will know you. And so, in this whole thing about encountering Christ, it's, man, am I encountering Christ enough that it's changing me and producing something in me that is spreading to the people around me? Verse 7, I love this. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, or faithful minister, and he has, is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love of others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So Paul points out this dude, Epaphras. He's like, hey, the reason you've come to encounter Christ, the way you've come to know God and be changed, is because Epaphras 
introduced him to you. There was a guy who, who encountered Christ somehow in this spreading of the gospel from Ephesus. Epaphras heard about it. And then he came to the city of Colossae. And we learn later also the neighboring city of Laodicea. And he brought the message in such a way that a church was birthed, that a group of people came to faith. And through his life, that was passed on. And I, I like this because Epaphras is not a famous character, right? Like, he's not a guy, he's not like Paul. You have, probably haven't, it's, it's, you maybe haven't heard of him. Not many people name their kids Epaphras these days. Like, he's not, he's just, he's kind of like an everybody. In fact, his name, I think this is funny, his name means someone who's into Epaphrodite which was the Greek goddess of, of love and romance and lust. So it's like a guy who's into the goddess of romance or the, a guy who's into lust. It's like, well, that's like every guy, right? That's like, there's nothing special about this guy. He's just like, like everybody else. He's just like everyone. He's Epaphras. But he encountered Christ. And out of that, he was transformed. He was discipled. And then the gospel went from there, and many other people were reached as well. And so the title for this message is, Am I Epaphras? Am I Epaphras? Because, man, we're all got that, like, hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm a normal guy. I'm a normal gal. But there's the potential for us to have that kind of influence that Epaphras has. Um, all right. Verse 9. Let's keep reading here. You're going to have a chance this week to keep reading through this and mull on it more. But it says, Paul says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you, complete, and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. I think it's great there that it's knowledge of his will because his will implies it's not just about what we know about God, but his will is what we do. And as we encounter Christ, it's, it's not just like, okay, I know some facts about God. I can check off the right boxes and this on the multiple choice test about Christianity. But am I in the middle of doing God's will for my life? Have I experienced God and am I knowing this is what you want me to do? And then I'm going about doing that. That's what he leads us into. Then you will live then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I was talking, Jesse and I and a couple of the guys were talking this week, and Je this story came up. Jesse was, he walked on to the KU football team, and dreams of the NFL but ended up being on the scout team, which means he got to go up against the starters, who the team was actually good in those days, pretty good. They were decent, all right, yeah. But there were was, was some good players. And Jesse was playing scout team both offense and defense. So he was going up against guys bigger than him, stronger than him, better than him on offense, and then turn around and play defense against the offensive starters. And one time, the coach said, hey, Jesse, come over here. And Jesse was just, like, tired. 
And he's like, oh, great. You're going to go throw me back in there. And he kind of like, okay. Like, walked over. And the coach said, hey, watch your body language. You never know who's watching you. And those words just stuck with him because he's like, man, I'm just up here getting beat up like my life is insignificant. But actually, the coach is watching. I'm feeling like I'm never going to be anything more than a scout team dummy. But it's easy to just like lose sight of like just get discouraged. It doesn't matter. But someone's watching. And that's the essence of this. It's like, God, show us your will. Show us what you want us to do because you're watching. You got a purpose for my life. You got a purpose for my week. You're watching. And are you, am I responding in a way that the coach is like, okay, yeah, I can put him in. I'm, I'm, he's, he's got the attitude that I'm looking for. Lost my place here. All right, verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. We pray that you'll be strengthened with all his glorious power. That sounds so great. I think about strengthened with power, like I'm going to be a superhero. It's like, something comes on me and I can like bounce off walls or push buildings over. It's like, yeah, glorious power. And But it says, power... It goes on that you may have endurance and patience. Wow, that's interesting. Well, you need all this power for the mission so you can have endurance and patience. Before Dave and Gail saw the ministry grow to 400 people, there was five years of God. We feel like nothing's happening here. I mean, yeah, we're seeing a little bit, but Lord, we want more. We want to see more. And oh, another month goes by. And another month goes by. And another month goes by. And it's like, oh, God, are you, am I, are you doing anything? Is my, does, my, my, does my life matter? Is anything happening? But we need to encounter God and be filled with his power to be strengthened with endurance and patience. Because to be an Epaphras, to be someone who, who sees the world around us impacted, who sees someone else come to faith, who sees disciples made, it takes a lot of endurance and patience. It takes a lot of hanging in there when you're not feeling it, when you're not seeing it, when the evidence is not in front of your natural eyes. But there's something in your spirit, there's something in your gut, there's something in your heart. It's like, okay, God, God, I know you're in this. I know you're doing something. God, I, God, I, you're, God given us the endurance and the patience to go through the places where we're not seeing the fruit that we want to see. Be strengthened with endurance and patience. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He's enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us in the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And we see there that and the, this gospel is that there are Jesus is the, the king. And really, that's what the gospel is. The gospel is the proclamation of a new king. There's a new king. And there are other kings. There are other, there's another kingdom of darkness that we all start off in. But there's a new king who 
transfers us and invites people to be transferred out of that kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And it's essential that we realize that this is, there is spiritual warfare going on, that this does not just happen, that there is warfare going on for people's lives and for our lives and the people around us. I, Mike texted me this afternoon, or this week, not this afternoon. Man, I'm speaking prophetically. <laughs> better, better text me. Um, so Mike was like, and Mike, if you don't know Mike, on the back row in the maroon, handsome <laughs> reflection on his glow, glow off the top of his head there. But um, Mike works at Fort Riley, and he is um, helping. He's a, he, has, he has been a military chaplain, but now he's working, helping soldiers transition when they stop working in the army. And, you know, he's always got fun stories every week about just the craziness where people are at. Um, but this week he's like, he texted me and then he called me and was like, man, I was in the hallway this week and there's a, there's a pagan. This guy is like doing the work of a pagan evangelist. He's got, he's got a captive audience of like six other soldiers and he's telling them all about how they should join the pagan religion. And he's passionate about it. And he's, he's, he's got them captive. Like, they're, you know, and he's, later he's like, man, I think maybe it's just because if you're a pagan, officially you tell the army that, you don't have to shave. You can grow a beard. So that's like a perk to join the pagan religion if you're in the army. But he's like talking to him. So Mike gets in there and he's like, okay, yeah, like, what do you guys believe? Like, who's your god? And he's like, oh, you know, Thor, Odin, all this stuff. And like, well, where do you, like, where do you meet? He's like, well, we got like a, we got a group mother who teaches us. And he's like, oh, there's a, there's a lady who teaches you? like, well, the group mother's actually a man. It's just we go over to his house, but it's our group mother. And Mike's like, his head's spinning, like trying to, trying to figure it out. But he's like trying to run interference. Like, man, there is, the kingdom of darkness is, is being aggressive here. I want to get in there. And I want to bring some truth. So he's, he speaks a few words of truth in that situation and, and dissipates it. And, but it's like, man, that's, we were talking about that. Just like, man, the kingdom of darkness is aggressive. The, pig, the kingdom of darkness is speaking. There are voices of the enemy. There are voices of propaganda. There are other messages that are coming everywhere we go, bringing other messages to, to pull people captive. And how much more? Should we, as people who believe in Christ, have an assertiveness and an aggressiveness to be bringing the light into the world around us? The world needs epaphrases. Our friends need epaphrases. Our hallways need epaphrases, bringing something different than what they're hearing all around them. <clears throat> so, there you have it. Fun stuff happening at Fort Riley and all over the place. Um... All right, verse, uh, where are we at? Verse 15. All right, this is where it's really good. Now Paul's just going to start just talking about who Jesus is. This is like a, a song, a poem of praise, of the mystery of Christ. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and he's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities 
in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And any one of those phrases is enough to chew on for a month. It's the mystery of, of who Christ is. Verse 18 says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. Christ is the one. Christ is the supreme one. He's the embodiment of God made flesh. He's the creator. He's the redeemer. He's the one who created everything. He's the ruler of everything. He's just amazingly incredible. And the more you encounter him, to, to encounter Christ is to love him. The more you encounter him, the more you're going to be in awe of him. The more you're going to love him. And that never gets old. It only gets better and better. And my favorite part of my interaction this week with Corey was on Wednesday. I said, hey, how's it going? And he, um, he I actually got, there's a, here's the text he sent back to me. I got a picture of it. He said, everything is going good. I'm at work right now. Sorry, I've been really busy. But I do have one thing to tell you. I actually am in love with the Bible. I've never read anything so entertaining and enlightening ever in my life. Jesus is one awesome guy. In both aspects of him being kind and outright cool, LOL. Or as my kids told me, it's actually lol now. You don't say LOL. I don't know if I sin by saying that, but you know, <laughs> that was so great. It's just like figuring out this whole Jesus thing. is like, oh man, it's all new. He's, he's just, he's freaking awesome. I mean, he's like expressing it out of his own heart. But I don't know if I hope, is this okay to say? How's everything going with you? You know, he's just like encountering Jesus, reading the Bible. He's, he's reading through John. And he's just like, wow, the more I, I read about him, he's, he's amazing. He's so kind, but he's just, he's, he's cool. He's, he's amazing. And that's, that's what happens. The more as you encounter him, you just, you, you love him and you want to tell someone about him. You go back to, to Paul's, Paul's song of praise here in verse 19. He says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. You know, Jesus, out of his just incredibleness, he's the ultimate reconciler. He reconciles us to God, and then he reconciles people back to, get to, to one another. He reconciles our relationships with one another. And as I read this this week, I was thinking about it, I was reminded of one of my favorite reconciliation stories involves Jenny and Aja, who are good friends now, fellow young moms. And what's crazy, though, they went to kindergarten in the first couple of years of school together, right? In sub, or just one? All of grade school, okay. All of grade school together in Sublette, Kansas. 
And, and then Jenny moved away. She was in Garden City, and they weren't in touch with each other. And they both became believers through people here at Bluemont separately. Like, they didn't know each other and ended up here and were like, oh, they ended up becoming friends. But what was crazy is that when Jenny didn't like Asia, I know, it's hard to believe, you know, like, how can you not like Asia? But there was this, like, elementary school rivalry. And actually, Asia was, like, took on for whatever reason, whether, you know, not, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, all fair, but Asia took on the embodiment of white racism that Ginny had experienced. And that became, a, like, it was, like, big, like, oh, man, that's, that's, that, there, that was a big division. And incredibly, just through the gospel, hearts being changed, lives being changed, different ethnicities coming together, there's this amazing friendship going on. God reconciles people. Jesus reconciles people. I don't know if you've heard, but some of the, you know, in all the tragedy of what's going on in Palestine right now, surprise, surprise, God is doing amazing things. And... They're actually, I'll just um, read, this, uh, read this account. There are people coming to faith in Christ. There are Muslims coming to faith in Christ in Palestine right now. There was a report from Michael Lacona, who's a professor of New Testament studies at Houston Christian University, and he, he shared this report. God is, from, from people, well, here's, here's what he said. God is working in the midst of war. The news, this news coming out of Palestine from underground Christian ministries. So this is the report that came. Over the past two days, this was a couple weeks ago, we have ministered to hundreds of fathers who have lost most, if not all, of their children in the war. As we moved these men to safety, we fed them, washed their clothes, and began to read the Bible to them, sharing the way of peace through Jesus. Then a big miracle happened. Last night, Jesus appeared to more than 200 of them in their dreams. Wow, just, yeah, one night. Better than Santa Claus. (laughs) 200 people had a dream of Jesus appearing to them same night. They have come back to us to learn more from God's word and are asking how to follow Jesus. Wow, isn't that awesome? The message, Jesus shows up in the darkest places and encounters people and changes their lives. Uh, wrapping up here, a few more verses. Verse 21, this includes you who are once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ and his physical body. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence. And you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Wow. That's what God does. He comes to sinners. He doesn't come to those who've gotten their act together, but he comes to us and makes us holy and blameless and then spreads that to the world around us. And then the last verse here, verse 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been proclaimed all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant 
to proclaim it. This is the gospel. This is the message of Jesus that we receive, and then we're commissioned to proclaim it. You share ice cream, you proclaim the gospel. Right? There's something about like really getting the gospel and then bringing it with an oomph to people around us. And it produces these kind of results as we do that. Um, and I mean, it's just, it's something, man. It's, it's what the first shepherds did. It's what everyone who encounters Jesus legitimately, the first shepherds, they heard this message of the Messiah. And they went and they beheld him themselves. And then they went and they spread the news far and wide. Wow, God is doing something. you got to hear about it too. This is what God does. In the last 10 days, I've, I know of three people that I've, I've talked to that have, I've been able to, to, to talk to and help them pray to accept Christ and begin following God. I've, someone, you know, there, I've seen there are people in our midst that are praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's things happening. Um, our, uh, yeah, I went to the Bethlehem Revisited Christmas thing. Um, reenacting the Christmas story with an international friend. And he was just opened up, like, wow, this is amazing, the Christian story. I want to learn more about what's going on. It's just there's something about this gospel that when it gets a hold of us, it changes lives. And so, you know, really I believe that even as we're, as we're beginning December, as we're ending this, Christ, this Christmas season, there's, a, there's an invitation for us. There's an invitation for us personally to, to encounter Christ. There's an invitation for us to, to know God, to know the one who's, who's over all, the one who's to all, the one who's in all, and coming in all in all in a personal way, in a powerful way. Wherever we're at, there's an invitation for us to experience, to experience him. He never gets old. It's to the contrary. And so I really want to encourage us, even as we... You know, to make use of these Colossians devotions as we're doing these together. And whatever else you're doing as well, to, to open up your heart, to say, God, I want to experience you in the busyness and everything going on. I need you. I want to encounter you. And, you know, if you've never responded to that message of Christ being the new king, of Christ being savior, and this is the time to do that. This is the time to open up your life to God and experience him. And then there's an invitation for, for each of us to become an Epaphras. There's an invitation for us to like, God, I, may I experience you enough that there's an overflow, that I can see someone around me impacted with the truth. I was talking on Friday with Susan, and she said, hey, what's, so what's our strategy to reach the over 40 crowd? And I was like, well, uh, honestly, we need some help with that. We need, we need to, we're working on that. We need, we need your help with that. But then I said, really, this, this is the strategy. The strategy is that every one of us would become an ambassador, would be a minister, and that one person would reach one person and then help them get grounded in Christ and help them reach one more person and help them reach one more person. You know, really, our, if, if every one in this room would lead one other person to Christ in the next two years and, get them to, and help get them to the place where they could lead someone else to Christ. And that pattern repeated and repeated and repeated. In 20 years, there'd be 100,000 people 
That's how this gospel spreads. And that's, like, that's very conservative. Like, that's one person, two years. Like, that's just like, you know, there are many of us where God would empower us to see much more than that happen through our life. But that is, that is, that is what God invites every one of us into. You know, I just, I really believe is I've just been praying about our church. It's like, man, I feel like we're sitting on a dang powder keg. Like, I feel like, man, there is just powerful people. But God has brought people together in our midst, like in this room, who are just like, there's so much God has done. There's so much inside of us. It's just like a, a barrel of gunpowder that just like a spark, like boom. Like there is just, there is way more potential that God has put in us and in us than, than we realize. And, you know, I look around, I, I, I think of Faxon, the Epaphras. It's like, yeah, man, I see Chloe, the Epaphras. See, see all sorts of people. Yogi, the Epaphras. It's like all over the place. See, Korah, the Epaphras. It's like, yes, man, there, there, is, there is something God has put in us to have that same influence and to see God work through us like we've never seen it before. And so, man, that's, that's what I really want to leave with us this morning is, are you an Epaphras? Am I an Epaphras? Have I encountered Christ? Am I encountering Christ? May I encounter Christ more? And may the gospel then spread through me to the world around me. Um, so let's, um, let's pray together. So let's pray together. God, we thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for sharing with us how incredible you are. Thank you for the incredible way that you've entered the world. You've entered our brokenness. You've brought new life. You're bringing new life. God, may you help us. Lord, I, I pray that today there would be a, a clear deposit in each one of our hearts and a, a greater hunger, a greater yearning. Lord, God, I've got to encounter you. I've got to encounter you. I've got to be filled with you. I've got to know you. And I've got to, Lord, and, and I pray for a greater love, Lord. May you pour your love out upon our hearts, the love of Christ. That would give us enough, even in just the, the affairs of life and the busyness and the sickness and the distractions and the, the needs. Lord, that even in the midst of all that, there would be an overflow for your life to come through us to others. Lord, we thank you for this. We pray this season would be a time of, of more people coming to encounter you. We pray for that. We trust you to bring this about in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.